0: Hey, just a quick one, guys. I'm resurfacing the interview that i done with Anthony Fraser early last year. Sick interview. Went down to the Newark Venture Partners offices down in Newark, New Jersey. Love Anthony's energy always. He does a great job telling his story, speaking his truth, and talking about why he thinks everybody's life is more about a theme as opposed to doing one thing or one job. Really love this interview. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out his book, Don't Dumb Down Your Greatness. I bought it. I read it. I loved it. I recommend everybody read that. Great Christmas gift maybe for someone. And one more thing, this is going to be the last episode this year in 2019. It's been a fun year. It's been a great year. Looking forward to 2020, new shows, great guests, better quality. Uh, We're just taking everything up a level. So looking forward to sharing all of that stuff with you. Okay, let's jump into the episode.
1: Transform more because now you have guys like Diddy and Jay-Z who are moving themselves to the boardroom yeah. but the problem is they had to become a rapper yeah. to get to that point yeah. so what we need to do is figure out how do we get to that point without having to feel like yo we have to become a, a person to dance on stage as a rites of passage mm. Um. and so that, I feel like that's where we're going on.
0: Hey guys, welcome to Startup Hand Me Downs, the podcast that passes insights from founders and thought leaders down to the next generation. I'm your host, Philip Kusumu, and thank you so much for giving me your time. I promise it'll be worth it. Today, guys, I had the pleasure of interviewing Anthony Frazier, who is a digital strategist, tech entrepreneur, author, and public speaker. A Newark, New Jersey native, Anthony has a long history of mentoring, advising startups, and community infrastructures to solve real problems and build real solutions. Before joining Newark Venture Partners as one of their entrepreneur-in-residence, Anthony was one of the founders behind the startup, The Fat Startup. With well over a decade of experience in tech, media, speaking and coaching aspiring entrepreneurs from underrepresented groups, he has developed a thoroughly different worldview. A published author, Anthony believes that success isn't something external. You can create your own luck, no matter your background or lack of experience, in the words of Anthony Frazier. This was a really great interview as me and Anthony just really had an extremely candid conversation around tech, his background as a black founder raising capital and everything in between okay guys that's enough from me let's get into the action so anthony thank you so much for coming on the show today
1: hey man i'm, I'm happy to be here man it's always a privilege when people like yourself reach out and i don't take these um for granted
0: awesome um so anthony when you're at i guess a WeWork event mm-hmm. or a Ruckers event um how do you introduce yourself to people I
1: say, hey! I'm Anthony Frazier. I'm the Entrepreneur in Residence for Newark Venture Partners, a new venture capital firm in Newark, New Jersey. It's a fifty million dollars fund started by Don Katz, and I'm there helping out startups, bringing startups into the city, and providing a platform for a lot of the entrepreneurs who exist in the city to learn more about venture capital and learn more about building startups.
0: Awesome! So before we get into but- oh, oh, there's more. There's more.
1: I'm starting a new company and I'm the CEO of, uh, new, of uh, ABF Creative, which is a multicultural branded podcast. network.
0: Yeah. So. so before we get into your current venture and new adventure yeah. Partners, you have a true entrepreneurial resume. You know, you've done so many different things. You've worked in media, you've had startups, yeah. you've done this, you've done that. <laughs> like, where did all of this kind of come from?
1: Um, you know what? I just recently figured that out, man. You know, so you're probably the first person to really, you know, get a taste of that.
0: Oh, well, exclusive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean,
1: honestly, I think everybody has a theme to their life. You right. know, I think when people think about their purpose, what they're on earth for, mm. you, you're not you're not on earth to do a single job. Yeah. You're, on, you're on earth to perform a, a, a particular, um, uh, um, you're on earth to perform a set of jobs right. that follows a particular theme.
0: Sure.
1: So your purpose is really a theme. And so when people go saying, oh, my purpose is to do this particular job, I'm like, they don't know yet that Mm. they haven't found the theme. And so my theme is storytelling. Mm. I like igniting. I like taking small stories and putting them on a bigger platform, making them large, making them huge. That's That's what I'm on earth to do. And so everything that I've done in my life, all these different ventures, I think it came from the eagerness of seeing it come from one thing and becoming something huge where everybody can see and admire and learn from. Uh, That came from video games, that's my interest in filmmaking, and now my interest in podcasts. It's all following that theme of how do I ignite and blow up and make larger a small thing into a large thing, into a large story that everybody can enjoy.
0: Right, and I guess in addition to storytelling, another theme, I guess, is you're really passionate and you're a huge advocate for um, people of color in tech as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's if I was the same storytelling thing. Right. Because right now, when you think about people of color in tech, and you think about underserved markets, it's mm. still a small story because it's being ignored. And so my passion for that came from how do I bring this to the light? How do I bring this on a bigger, a larger stage? How do I make sure that more people know about These young people who exist that are people of color who have great ideas but aren't getting the opportunities that their white counterparts are getting. Right. You know, so... Is that what
0: led to your first project, the coalition?
1: Yes. Oddly enough. Um, You know, when we thought about video games, you know, you usually thought about this overweight, fat, geeky, white nerd in the basement playing video games, or even the opposite of that would be the better version of that would be a white, geeky, yeah. in shape you know, yeah, playing yeah. video games. And, yeah. But it was never, like, a black person mm. or a person of color. And mm. it was like, okay, well, why not? You know, that's not the way I grew up. I grew up, my uncle introduced me to Tecmo Bowl. You know, I played Tecmo Bowl on Neo Geo. That was my first time playing video games. I have no I just,
0: idea what those things are. Yeah, right? But that was, like, <laughs> Nintendo's,
1: like, first, um, you know, one of their first consoles in America, the oh, Neo wow. Geo. And I was just like, well, why am I hearing about my story? Like, mm. why does it always have to be this geeky, you know, nerdish thing in that culture? I was like, well, there's different layers to this culture. This is video game culture. And, yeah. And the layer that, that talked about, that, that involved and included people of color was being ignored. And so, yeah, we started the coalition to tell that story.
0: Right. So how did you guys start? What was the first thing that you did?
1: I mean, honestly... Um, The site wasn't called The Coalition at first. The site was called, um, I'm not going to say their name, but site was called something else that i came it was a name that i came up with mm. and it was about uh, we had a lot of people with us it was like an online movement the funny part is nobody knew each other we all kind of communicated right. through skype and
0: yeah
1: put it you know we had people from london we had people from you know uh scotland you wow. know we had a you know a guy from houston and i was from jersey you know and it was just like all over the place yeah um but we were very organized and we were doing really well. Um, and then one day, you know, I was, I was the leader of the site. One day, you know, people, there was, some, there was a sect, a group of people who didn't like the way I was running the company.
0: The rebels. And they
1: decided to take the company from
0: me. How do you mean? And, huh? How do you mean they took it from me?
1: Because, you know, we were sharing, like, hosting accounts. And this was early in the game. This was, like, my first thing. So I didn't yeah. know anything about nothing. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, who's going to get the hosting account? Who's going to do this? And there's a group of people who had just kind of control over certain things. And right. uh, I remember my internet went, went out for a week. You know, I didn't have the internet for a week um, for some strange reason. I think something happened to the wires in the, the, the neighborhood. And, yeah. And when I got back on, this is before you can go to, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have, like, a laptop situation where I could just, yeah. you know, me and my brother shared a laptop, so it's not like I can go, you know, to a coffee shopping, yeah. booze off the Wi-Fi. So, like, when I got back on the internet, that's when I discovered that, hey, everybody took everything from me, you know, and wow. there was a group of writers who was like, hey, man, that's really fucked up. We like what you're doing in it. We, we like your vision. We're going to roll with you. And that's when we all started the coalition. And the coalition is still up and running today.
0: I was going to say, yes, it's, it's still up, up, and, up running. and running. It's still today. live and kicking.
1: Yeah, the, the team is actually flying out to E3 um, this weekend.
0: Oh, wow. So going back to that initial project, was there no, like, nothing legally you could nah, do? No,
1: there was nothing legally I can do. You had no contracts? Nothing, no one had no any? No contracts, no nothing. It was just a group of passionate guys about video games, and we wanted to... But when we did the coalition, we did everything right. Right. He was yeah. like, oh, hell no. Yeah. That was my first lesson. <laughs> yeah, I was like yeah, yeah. I got burned. You got
0: burned hard. I got yeah. burned
1: hard. But you know what's crazy is that the coalition, not only did we come back strong, we came back and we, over, we, we outperformed the, the, the old site. Right. You know those group of guys, they they're, no, they're no longer around. Mm. Those guys are no longer around and we outperformed them and they they were just super jealous of us. Mm. You know, they were so jealous that they were actually taking out advertisements that had my face on it and say can you believe the hype. Mm. You know, because the site was um, you know, the site had the, the site had the the word hype in it. Yeah. You know, their site it was called hype. And so they were using my face and putting it on ads, and you know, as, like, a joke and of yeah. jealousy, you know, because we were doing so much better than them. And wow. we were winning awards. We won a Black Web Blog Award in, wow. 20, I think, 2012 or yeah. something like that, or 2011. Like, we were just really out there. We were being recognized.
0: So the coalition is still around. I mean, I guess, did you raise money for that? Were, was it generating revenue? You know,
1: the initial set of money for the coalition came from... Um, a, a gracious <laughs> donor, Randy Randy Ledette, um Jr., um, who was uh, he was a co-founder of the coalition, and he's from Indiana. Uh, he was the guy who kind of solely funded. You could call him the investor. Mm. You know, he was like, "Yo, I believe in your vision. I believe in what you got, and I want to see it through." And he he donated um, his and his money to to the cause, and been up since.
0: So how much traffic did it get or at its peak? Um,
1: at its peak, we were getting about maybe like 200,000 uniques a
0: month. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of views, man. Yeah. For, I a want so-called, niche. for a so-called niche the, Yeah, for a
1: so-called niche. The thing is, like, to get even 10,000, like, when you think about business in general, when you think about a business and you want to be making money online, there are guys right now who are making $100,000 from just getting... 10,000 uniques a month mm. we' been getting 200 wow we weren't able to monetize like that you know because this is at a time where you, you really couldn't figure out a way to monetize the only way to monetize throw ads on the site yeah and that's the reason why I couldn't you know only do that for a living mm. and that's what got that me into everything else I'm doing.
0: So then your next project was Played.
1: Yeah, I jumped into Played. Actually, Played was a little bit further down because what happened is um, I was doing the coalition and I ended up taking an internship at a startup called Bubble Line. Yeah. Once I learned the ins and outs from Bubble Line, how to run a tech startup, how to do this, how to manage a team, work with developers, things of that nature, I approached the, the, the guy who was the lead investor for Bubble Line and I pitched him Played and he invested and played.
0: Wow. After that. Yeah. How much did you raise for Played? $100,000. Just off an idea? Just off an idea. Good old days. But, you know, but that's what... We talked
1: about this off the air, but when we talked about networks and Yeah, people, exactly. And yeah. so, uh, an investor rarely invests in an idea. An investor invests in you.
0: Exactly.
1: And so, the thing is, this guy didn't just say, hey, Anthony has a great idea. I'm giving him $100,000. Mm. It was more so like, hey, Anthony has a good idea, and I saw how hard he worked for this bubble line company for... About a year now I saw how he's helped them Grow their traffic mm. I saw how much authority He has in a certain niche Yeah I'm gonna make a bet on him Yeah That's what it was
0: Okay So, so what was the premise for Play?
1: Play was supposed to be The Foursquare video games Yeah We were trying to go so out So this was there. like Your
0: first real product
1: Yeah This was my first real product You know We wanted to be like The Foursquare video games And we wanted to like Make a universal loyalty system
0: mm. for
1: video game purchases because the thing is, used games were like killing the market. Yeah, used games were putting like GameStop out of business, and I still believe GameStop is dying. You mm. know, GameStop is doing the, the best to hold on to dear life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and but I think that that's going away. And what I wanted to do was kind of be someone to help stop the bleeding. Yeah, that's all.
0: And then you guys received a ton of press.
1: Yeah, we were on CNN, Black in America. They followed me when I was um, in Silicon Valley. I got accepted into the New Me Accelerator out there in Silicon Valley. Um, and CNN followed us while I was in that program. So it's it pretty amazing. interesting. Yeah. So I launched uh, shortly after the, the program aired.
0: So. And how big did it get? The
1: app, we grew to about 30,000 active users a month, man. Nice. Um, We were doing really well. The reason why the company failed is because, uh, you know, we started to get some API trouble with Microsoft and Sony. Microsoft came out with Smart Glass, which Mm. was kind of like an app that did the same thing. Sony had aspirations to do the same thing. Mm. But then also GameStop had an app that was very similar to mine. And when the leader, the lead retailer in the industry, encourages people not to work with you, um, then you get you get you, you get you blackballed. You get yeah. blackballed. Yeah. And so I'm not going to say I was blackballed. Yeah. But I'm going to say that it was very really hard for me to make the partnerships that I, that I thought I could make. And the one partnership that I did have um, brewing was with THQ. Okay. You know, in the THQ, they put out all the wrestling games. They yeah. put out, um, they also put out, uh, what you call it? um Saints Row and Saints Row was going to be the first game we launched with so they were going to have an insert in there and say hey if you download Played and you scan the app and check in within the first week of purchasing Saints Row you'll get this free DLC Mm. so it was going to give people the incentive to go buy the game within the first week yeah um THQ went bankrupt ugh (laughs) before I launched with them Uh. That is stressful. Yo, man. (laughs) God can write a script like that. I know, I (laughs) know. So, you know, that happened. And so, and uh, I just kind of, I could have, honestly, I could have kept the company going by pivoting. It was a, I feel like I still had a market to get into the digital game manuals and things of that nature. But you know what? I was like. Because we had a very unique technology, we had a technology where you can scan the back of a box and that would check you into the game.
0: So, and was this so before like QR codes and like no. barcode scanning?
1: Um, no, it was about the same time, though, those things
0: kind of took off, leveraging those technologies,
1: yeah. Like and so, we were like, Well, we're going to scan the barcode on the back of a game, yeah. And in digital games, you can log in with your Xbox Live or your PSN account, sure. and, and you can check in that way. Um, So, I thought I had a really good technology, and I think that technology could have been leveraged to do something else, Mm. Um, but, you know, I just decided, you know what? I learned a lot. I'm going to... Had a good run. I had a good run. I'm going to take what I've learned and apply it to something else, and that's when I just shut the company
0: down. Okay. Um, I just want to take it back a few steps. So, a lot of founders... You know, they want to raise money, especially in the early days. But some yeah. people don't necessarily know what to do <laughs> with yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, could yeah, you break yeah. down what you've done with that first hundred thousand dollars of investment? Develop, like, because you're—I don't imagine you're not an—you're not an engineer. Are no, you? I'm you're not an engineer.
1: I'm think. not an engineer. I'm more of a business development, marketing, growth hacking guy. CEO, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I
0: guess with the with the first chunk of money did you hire an engineer or- my yeah
1: my first my first chunk of money went straight into development right that's when my, my money went straight into the development of the of the product and so uh, you know we needed we had a very ambitious product you know as far as like scanning and you know having a game having to you know app recognize what game it was instantly like a lot of that stuff was pretty ambitious yeah. like at the time you know the only other person who had that kind of functionality was get glue and this was a company that had millions of dollars in investment, and so, um, yeah. You so know. was
0: it an outsourced engineering team, or did you hire people in? No,
1: I had an in-house engineering team. Wow. You know, they weren't based in America, but they were they were part of my company. Sure. You know, they were based in Russia.
0: Yeah, they got know. great engineers over
1: there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Axe <laughs> <ask> Trump. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. They got really good engineers over there.
1: Axe Trump and Hillary so, Clinton. <laughs> so, so
0: the. The majority of the money went straight to engineers.
1: Majority of the money went straight to engineers and, of course, um, living expenses because I sure. was based in Silicon Valley. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, marketing.
1: Marketing was all grassroots, man. It okay. was all like guerrilla marketing, man.
0: So then, plays is over. Plays over, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, what's the next step? You're thinking, where do I go now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of in limbo. I was like, yo, I'm just gonna do stuff in the community. That's when I started Brook City Tech Meetup Group, yeah. which is based in Newark. I started doing a lot of Newark based tech stuff because I was on the television show mm. CNN Black in America a lot of people were just like hey we want you to come speak and that's mm. when I kind of started speaking in Newark speaking around the country speaking in Chicago spoke at Black Enterprise right. just doing spoke at a uh, you know a lot of different conferences all over um, and uh, that's when I kind of got the knack to be like yo like maybe I'm you know best suited to kind of you know go out there and spread the word and inspire people in yeah. some kind of way because people resonated with me i know a lot of people you know build themselves as like a quote-unquote speaker
0: mm. um
1: and i wasn't necessarily someone who built myself as that yeah um but i started to take it more seriously when people really started to resonate with what i was saying and how i was saying it and i was just kind of being myself and yeah. i was like well If people resonate that way, I'm going to take it serious. And that's when I started to kind of get into that.
0: Yeah. So as we said earlier, you know, one of the themes, I guess, in your journey has always been to be an advocate for minorities in tech. Yeah, yeah. So what issues have you kind of encountered as a minority in tech? And why do you think it's just that much harder for minorities in tech at this Um, time?
1: Well, when we talk about minorities in tech, there are two Two different kinds. There are people who work at tech companies, mm. and there are people who are entrepreneurs. Right. And so, me, I can only kind of mostly speak on the entrepreneur side, sure. on the on the on a, working at a tech company side. There are tons of issues. Yeah. That's that's, that's something a that whole goes deep. Beast. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But on the entrepreneur side, it's a lot of the same, um, but in different different ways. And you know, one of the ways is yeah, lack of investment. You know, lack of investment dollars. We talked about, you know, how I got that first 100,000 because this guy sat there, he got to know me. He got to know what I like. He got to know my network. He mm. got to know what I was able to do. And that's usually how investment works. Yeah. Through the network. Like, yeah. hey, people getting to know you. I know this person that knows that person in Silicon Valley has a whole bunch of people that knows people that knows people that knows people. Mm. The problem with people of color is they don't exist in those networks. Mm for the most part. You got a few that exist in them, but not a lot of people. No. So because they don't exist in those networks, they're not able to show who they are and what they can do and therefore get investment because they know that person. It's a very people thing. Yeah, That's one thing I found out, you know, in the entrepreneur side, that that's a big problem for people of color. Uh, the other thing is um, the lack of awareness. You know, I think that young people need to see people to be inspired to be that mm. you know like you wouldn't want to be a basketball player if you never saw Michael Jordan you right. know, there's a lot of people who saw Kobe Bryant and said I want to be a basketball player yeah. there's a lot of people who see you know 2 chains and they say oh I want to I be want a be rapper a, yeah. you know there's a lot of people who see you know so you know now that you know Barack Obama you know became president thank God you yeah. know now it's going to have a lot of young people have you know hey I want to be a president yeah. and now that's politics. not that's not some you know fairy tale that yeah you know, you tell your kid to make them feel good at night no more. Like yeah.
0: it's, it's reality, <laughs> it's like real, hey, yeah. you could be the president. Yeah, you know? two times. Yeah,
1: two times. <laughs> you, could the, you could be the president for eight years, yeah. bro. You know, so um, you know, Hidden Figures was a movie that came out to show black, you know, women engineers who mm. were integral in NASA, yeah. you know, um, in space exploration. I think these are important stories. Yeah, you know, because it does. It what it does is it does it plants a seed.
0: Yeah,
1: and the seed don't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. Who knows what the seed looks like inside of a person, but there's a seed there. And for a lot of black young people, you know, I think the problem is we don't see a lot of black entrepreneurs in the tech space. Right. We don't see a lot of black entrepreneurs even in the media space. Yep. um, Who are really, really successful, who aren't really necessarily doing what black people are known to do to get rich. Which is...
0: And Become a rapper, yeah.
1: or you know, and entertainment and media are two different things. A lot of people see people in entertainment and think, Oh, I want to be an actor. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But who's giving Ice Cube those checks? Yeah. Who's giving Kevin Hart the money to go do this movie? Mm. You know, like can I be in that position? Yeah. To be the guy who pays Shaq yeah. instead of the guy who is Shaq?
0: Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think good.
1: that's that's the, the missing piece. But I think we're starting to see it transform more because now you have guys like Diddy and Jay-Z who are moving themselves to the boardroom. Yeah. But the problem is they had to become a rapper yeah. to get to that point. Yeah. So what we need to do is figure out how do we get to that point without having to feel like, yo, we have to become a, a person to dance on stage as a rites of passage. Mm. Um, and so that, I feel like that's where we're going now.
0: And I guess apart from, like, the investment side and the financial side, what could Founders of Color do and be more, be, be more proactive with?
1: Um, There's several things. You know, Jim Rohn is one of my favorite, uh, you know, personal development authors, speakers, motivators. And it's a quote that he said. He said, you know, formal education can make you a living, but, uh, you know, self-education can make you a fortune.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: And... To me, we need more of that.
0: Mm.
1: We need to read more books. Yeah. Like, books are the cheat code. Yeah. Like, there's nine times out of ten, everything you're going through, somebody has been through it. So, you don't have to repeat their problems or their challenges. Or, you can go through the ones you're going through right now easily, more easily. So, I just think self-education needs to be more promoted. Yeah. You know, Picking up a book doesn't have to be reserved just for school, man. <laughs> like, yeah, you know that was that was the that's the issue. Like a lot of kids, are like oh, school books. No, school, get this money. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like that's read books, get this money. Yeah, like, yeah. that's what it's got to be. That's
0: true,
1: I think you know it's the association. Like mm. when, when you think about books, you're thinking like, oh, I want to read about. I don't, you know, I don't want to say that. I don't want to read about, you know, George Washington today. You yeah. know, and, and that's, to them, that's what they associate mm. books with. But we need to figure out. We need to change the narrative and say, "Yo, this guy is giving you how he made a million bucks." Yeah, you need to soak that game up, yeah. man, and, 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 and figure out how you can go do that. Yeah. and and make books cool. Yeah, yeah, you know I mean, make it cool. I think that's what needs to happen. Mm. Um, and infiltrating these networks man yeah infiltrating growth hacking yeah we need to growth hack life man yeah we need to growth hack yeah how do we get into these networks man how yeah. do we how do we go out here and do more and fail more and,
0: yeah. and we and, were talking and, about this earlier before we started yeah. like the podcast being one avenue or just you know being in the right place at the right time and exactly just always being open to exactly. opportunities. and
1: this is why reading is important if i didn't read i wouldn't know how to fail yeah if i didn't read i wouldn't know how to make the best, the right kind of friends Yeah. If I didn't read, I wouldn't know how to get into the tech industry mm. If I didn't read, I wouldn't know how to, you know, uh, set up a podcast yeah. like this yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, if I didn't read, you know, so it's like, yo, like The reason why we aren't getting anywhere because we're associating reading and education With going to college and getting a job Yeah and it's not supposed to be that way. Mm. Like reading should be something you do to enhance your life, not enhance your your, your education at school. Yeah, it's supposed to enhance your education in life. In life, yeah. And so we need to get kids on 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 the ball. Like, yo, I need to get the shortcut. You know, can you imagine? And this is, this is the problem because in you know mostly white you know neighborhoods and mostly white families, this is you know reading is. It's not something that you have to, they have to force on mm. children
0: because they give like, them different books you know yeah, they read like, books they, for leisure they already know yeah they know. that's
1: why they're programming at <laughs> yeah, the age of seven yeah are, yeah like, yeah that's why they're learning like I look at Ty Lopez and he he has these kids who listen to him he's an online yeah, in, yeah, internet marketer very yeah. popular questionable you know tactics but <laughs> overall like he has fifteen year old kids and his, every time he says yo this is fifteen year old he's making ninety thousand dollars a month now yeah. And nine times out of ten, that kid is white. Mm. You know, because he's read, he's listened to Ty Lopez advice.
0: Yeah.
1: When Ty Lopez first started marketing on the internet, he said, yo, I got this Ferrari. I'm here in my garage yeah. with this Ferrari. I got this big car. I got all this. I got this big mansion. But he said, you want to know how I got all this?
0: I read a book a day.
1: I read a book a day. Yeah. He gave you everything you needed right there. Yeah. The reason why people jumped in, because they always got this psyche saying, it's, it's got to be more.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really not more. It basically <laughs> told you everything in the first video yeah. saying, yo,
1: I read a book a day, and that's why I'm a millionaire. And yeah. Like, okay. It's, there it is. Yeah. Like, yo,
0: that's the secret. It is the secret. Yeah.
1: That's, no, so I I, I saw a documentary with Warren Buffett um, on a plane. I was flying back from Canada. It was a long-ass flight because I wasn't in Toronto. I was in Alberta. So oh, wow. it's like seven hours. And so I saw this documentary of Warren Buffett, man. And, yo, his his whole fortune, everything that Warren Buffett is today came from reading. Mm. Like how many people got to tell you the secret yeah. before, you, before you recognize it? Tim Sanders is a mentor of mine. I've read his book, Love is the Killer App. On his on he came and did an interview with me, and I asked him, I was like, yo, like, how did you get to where you are in life? He said, yo, man, every book, every good book I read added $10,000 to my net worth. Wow.
0: Wow. You know? Wow.
1: Ryan Holiday, same thing. So, you know, I know you want to get on to other topics. No, 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 that's good. good. (laughs) No, it's good. No, it's good.
0: No, everything you're saying is so relevant and people need to hear this for sure.
1: Yeah, man. I need to hear this shit again. (laughs) I'm like, yo, man, I need to read a book today, man. Like, yo.
0: So, okay, let's shift gears a little bit now. Um, So, as an entrepreneur in residence, what do you spend the majority of your time doing at the moment?
1: Um, At the moment, I spend a majority of my time building my company. You know, um, my first part of this tenure, I spent a lot of time, you know, community engagement, mm-hmm. doing networking events, bringing in special speakers for the for the startups here to be involved in and learn from. Right. Um, and then I also source deals. Like I bring in, you know, companies that I think could be a good fit for the firm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the biggest misconception that a lot of people think is like, hey, it's a VC firm. Give me money. But mm-hmm. no, you have to be a good fit, not just yeah. a good fit for the for the firm as in what they like to invest in but yeah. even them as investors like i know the personalities of the the managing partners here right. and so like yo if i see a company who i think is good for the firm but also someone who can see, get a lot of value from the partners yeah then i bring that startup in and kind of talk and pitch to the investors here And so um you know, my time is just kind of spent, you know, doing a lot of those things. But it, lately, the majority of my time is really building up this new company, ABF right. Creative.
0: Yeah, we're going go to go into ABF Creative Definitely. in a moment. Because I've looked into the role of an entrepreneur resident residence, and it's something I was actually quite interested in mm-hmm. doing myself. Um, but what did you want to get out of the experience? And um, have you?
1: I'll be honest. Um, you know... I was only interested in the entrepreneur residence role after I read Tristan Walker's. Like I follow one of the entrepreneurs yeah. I followed a lot early in my career was Tristan Walker, who yep. um, he was a business development lead at Foursquare. Foursquare. Uh, he worked at Twitter early in his career. Andrew Sahores. He, and he became the entrepreneur residence at Andrew and Horwitz, and now he's the CEO and founder of Walker and Company, yep. which. Has Bevel and a slew of other things that they plan to release, I guess.
0: Right. Um, and they've raised about 32 million as well today or something. 30 million?
1: Yeah. Oh, man, that's crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, didn't know that. I need to Google that when i will It's so, yo, when did that happen? So, but um, yeah, I mean, yo, like, you know, when I see stuff like that, um, I saw him become the entrepreneur in residence and what the role did for him. And mm. what the role did for him was. It gave him the time and space to figure out what he wanted to do
0: next. Mm.
1: But he had the mentorship of the investors at the firm with him. And he had the mentorship of the relationships that the firm had. Right, And um, he had the resources of the firm, like a place to work, an office, I'm guessing, an office space, uh, you know, some maybe they gave him a stipend something to, you know maybe yeah. they gave him a salary i'm not too sure about that i don't know if that was ever public i don't know he's never told me anything like that mm-hmm. um and then also he just had a lot of just a lot of resources and time and so i i wanted that i was like yo like i'm folding up my company i want to jump into my next venture but i want to jump in um with resources and the space and the, and then expertise around me mm. um to do that so it's, it's not different from any other entrepreneur i guess is the 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 only difference is just having um a quote unquote safety net right and not now nah, and i and i'm only using the word safety net for a lack of better term you right. know it's not necessarily a safety net entrepreneurs don't have that yeah <laughs> but but just having it you know the the guidance and mentorship and resources mm. like here at new adventure partners you know i eat lunch every day you know um they they got catered lunch you know i have office space i have the fastest internet um in the in nation with the uh, the the gigabit that's here in the city of newark um i have the expertise of the partners um i have you know conference rooms if i want to hold yeah. meetings and I have a lot of these stuff. I had a lot. I got a lot of resources, and yeah. so as a company, as me, as an entrepreneur building a new company, these are things that I normally would have to pay for. Yeah. Or be or be, um, if not pay for, be like you know, mindful have, of. You yeah. Have to be mindful of because it's like yo, oh, do I have to go to a coffee shop today? Yeah, and yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And be annoyed with like, you know, blenders going off every ten <laughs> seconds and shit.
0: Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> yo, you start to appreciate yo being yeah. in the an office and. And and having a place to work until ten at night. Yeah, you know? yeah, that, it makes so, a difference,
0: huge difference. What have you learned so far? You know, you've been working at you know a new fund. You know, they got fifty million dollars. Um, these are quite respected investors. Yeah, so, yeah. what have you learned so far since you've been here?
1: I mean, I guess I learned how to be how to be a better entrepreneur.
0: Mm. You
1: know, because I see what I see why they say no. Yeah, like so that was the that was the thing. You know. Um, you know, as on the investor side, you see a lot of uh, you know decks come in, and, and for me to just sit there and see what goes behind the decision making of why they say no to a company and why they say yes to a company.
0: Sure,
1: um, that's priceless information. Mm. That's a priceless experience to me. Yeah. That's an experience I'm gonna forever remember. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm not gonna get said no to. Like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna get said no to a yeah. lot. <laughs> you know, like everybody is gonna get said no of, to.
0: Of course,
1: uh, but. Um, the likelihood my averages change, you yeah. know, because because I know what they look for. I, I know what investors look for. I know when to look for money. Like right yeah. now, as I'm building this company, I know, I know that I don't need the money right now. Mm. I need the money to scale. You don't need the money to start. Yeah. So a lot of people think they need the money to start. Mm. You don't need the money to start. Yeah. You need the energy, the time, the creativity yeah. to find a customer to start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what you need money is to grow. Once you get to a point, like we just talked about, you know, building this company. And it's like, yo, if I have two clients, three clients, four clients, I'm like, yo, this is guaranteed money. But I don't have the, the people to, yeah. to execute on this. So That's when need, you like, I need, I need money so that I can hire a team mm. to do this that will bring back X amount of dollars. Yeah. So now that's when raising money is kind of important. Yeah. So you know? so
0: being um, an entrepreneur in residence, you've seen a lot of people try and raise money too soon?
1: Oh, hell yeah. Every day. Yeah. Every day. I've had people come to me and say, oh, you guys invested in this company? You should have invested in mine. And I'm like, show me what you have. And then they send me a deck with sketches. And it's like, <laughs> all right, well, I respect, I respect the, the, the boldness and yeah. the... You know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the energy and the mm-hmm. go-getter attitude. But, yeah. you know, you're, you're talking about you have your sketches is a better company than yeah. someone who's executed and yeah. has actual software.
0: Yeah, and actual customers.
1: Yeah, and actual customers. No matter how good you think your idea is better than, you know, these companies, mm. what separates one entrepreneur from the other is execution.
0: Yeah.
1: That's what separates and that's what investors want to see. If an investor says no... And every week um, you get better and better. And I would send it, I would send that investor an update. Yeah. I would say, Hey, I know you said no, but you know, hey, I hope everything's well. Here's a bullet here's a bullet point list of things I've accomplished this month. Yeah. You might turn that no to a yes over the course of a year.
0: Yeah. Because but, if
1: they see you executing, yeah, that's showing them something. You're showing them I'm not a quitter. You're showing them growth of your company. You're yeah. showing them your ability to, you know, those are those are important things to show an investor.
0: That's good, yeah. You know, because you're basically building a relationship. Yeah, and, and as they, you said earlier, they, that's how you get money from people yeah. by building relationships over time. And, and,
1: they, and they may be like, here, you know what? I'm I'm not investing in this guy now, but yo, month by month, this guy is growing. Mm-hmm. This company is growing, like yo. He's showing progress, Yeah, yo. You know, and so when when you show, if if and if, if an entrepreneur showed an investor, you know, m- for six months continuous growth, for three months, four months continuous growth, and then you ask that investor like, hey, you know, can I take you out to lunch to talk about this growth? Maybe you can give me ideas on how to go to the next level. Yeah, you know, he might grant you that meeting.
0: Yeah. Because he sees that you're you've earned it, yeah. You've
1: earned it. And you're, you're persevering, and I remember someone said this to me one time, and I don't know where it originated, but they said if you ask for advice, you get money. You ask yeah. for money, you get advice.
0: Yeah.
1: So go ask for advice.
0: Yeah. That's good. See what you get. Yeah. And then um, your current project, ABF yeah. Creative. Yeah, man. Yeah. What is yeah, it? Yeah. When did you start that? How's it going?
1: You know, ABF Creative is a multicultural branded podcast network. So uh, what we do is we work with large brands to help them create podcasts. You know, we work in partnership with them.
0: How do you do that?
1: um, We work with them as we we basically, almost like an ad agency. uh, We put together these six to ten episode series Mm. where it talks on an important topic that's may be important for the people that they're trying to reach right so the first podcast is uh called vc cheat sheet which is available right now on itunes soundcloud stitcher uh everywhere podcasts can be found we're pretty much there
0: And so, Um, by the way, you're not allowed to promote other podcasts on my own. Okay, 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 (laughs) I'm joking. This can help you, especially since we talk about venture capital. (laughs) You know, so I'm playing. Yeah, it's all
1: good. It's all good, and and we released that. You know, in in partnership with Rutgers, and Rutgers has a a Black and Latino Tech Initiative. where they're trying to reach. Black and Latino tech entrepreneurs. Right. And so, it only made sense to make a podcast that's going to attract black and Latino tech entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So, why not make a, a podcast about venture capital and Absolutely. teaching black and Latino tech entrepreneurs how to best position themselves to raise venture capital. And So, yeah. that's the vet, that's the first podcast that's out right now. And so, if I was to work with any brand, you know, we're working with an institutional brand with this one. But I can work with, you know, where we're talking with Toyota. We're talking with... Um, um, Warner Music Group. We're wow. talking with um, Tascam. We have a partnership with Tascam. They're our technology partner.
0: Wow.
1: Um, so we, we're doing a lot of different um, branded um, content. Yeah. That is all branded podcasts of the content. Yep.
0: And you mentioned earlier that you took a lot of inspiration from the guys at Gimlet Media.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really love with Gimlet. I love Gimlet's ability to work with these companies. Um, and what inspired me was that because. You know, the reason why I'm doing a multicultural branded podcast um, network is because I feel like, you know, large companies often get it wrong. Mm. When you're trying to tell a story for multicultural audiences, they often get it wrong. You know, I remember looking at a Reese's commercial when they were trying to, like, they had this black kid with a flat top rapping and shit. (laughs) I was just like, yo, like... How many times are we gonna do this? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's 2017. Yeah, it's true. 2017, man. It's true. Like, I'm, I, how, 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 how? You know, I remember the, the Kendall Jenner Pepsi just came out with the Kendall Jenner ad,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and they had to take it down because she was like, they were exploiting the whole Black Lives Matter the protests that's going on, you know. And they and they felt like, oh, you know, we wanna we wanna ride that wave, mm-hmm. and they came out with this ad with people smiling and protesting and yeah. shaking. Hands and uh, and somehow Pepsi solved the problems of black and white America. It's yeah. like okay, uh, they're just getting it wrong. Mm. Large companies continue to get the story and the narratives wrong. Yeah, they don't know what we care about. They don't know what we love. They don't know what we hate.
0: Mm. They
1: don't know what we. Uh, they don't know our story. They don't know our culture. They don't know our heritage. Mm. And because they don't know these things, they often get the stories wrong. And so with ABF Creative, we're here to help them get it right.
0: That's a good plug. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was a good advert. I'm I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Where do I sign? Um, That's awesome. And you've also recently released a book.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have a book. It's available on Amazon, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com, called... Don't dumb down your greatness. Yeah. Um is the young entrepreneur's guide to thinking and being great.
0: And you know, writing a book is a huge achievement, but yeah. you actually told me something before yeah, the yeah, podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you want to share that it's now. Cool. That's but right. um I'm very open for about For some it. people, you know, writing a book is, you know, years of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it, you know, <laughs> they have to go to the mountains for, yeah, you know, yeah, a few yeah. months <laughs> or a year or two and you know, get in the zone. But yeah.
1: How did you write your book? I wrote it in a month, man. <laughs> I wrote it in a month. I announced it on my Facebook page. I told everybody, hey, I'm dropping a book. Didn't have one word written. Yeah. And dropped it within 30 days.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, it was a challenge to myself. It was a personal challenge. You know, I take it as that. But everybody gets the benefit from my personal challenge now. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a... Uh, very interesting experience i learned a lot about myself Mm. um during the experience um something i didn't didn't expect to do you know i started figuring out my best creative time you know like i figured out when i'm best creative i figured out what motivates me yeah i figured out how to get those things out of me how to pull the best out of me i figured out my lows my highs i got really emotional sometimes when i was writing stuff that I felt very close to, a personal about. Mm. Um, so it's definitely a great experience uh, writing a book. I, I definitely I'm um, definitely plan to do it again. Yeah. Um, hopefully I have another book out by the holidays uh, this year.
0: Awesome. So, That's amazing. Yeah. And where did the title come from, Don't Dumb Down Your Greatness?
1: Honestly, the title came from uh, frustration. You mm. know, I felt like for a long time I had to... Um, first of all, there's different definitions that can go behind this book sure. title, but this is the one that really inspired the title. Yeah. Um, I felt like I had to dim my light to make others comfortable. Mm. You know, I felt like I was I was getting a lot of love, I was getting a lot of shine, a lot of publicity, a lot of different things, and I felt like to make other people comfortable, I had to fall back a little bit and be a little bit humble and not really. Um, Experience and, and the, the 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 greatness that was going on in my life because I wanted to make other people who weren't getting those things comfortable. Mm. And the truth is, if someone is uh, if someone feels uncomfortable by your success, then that's somebody you shouldn't be around. Mm. That's somebody you shouldn't you know be be associating with. Yeah, and so. That's why the title I said, "Don't dumb down your greatness because I'm gonna show you all the things I've learned that made me feel great and made me be perceived as great by others mm-hmm. but then also I'm gonna show you how not to let other people um get in the way of that
0: yeah and so that's, that's what good. the book's about. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay, I just want to work towards wrapping up now. Mm-hmm. just want to ask you a few fireside chat questions quickly. Cool, cool, um, cool, cool, So, favorite book other than your own?
1: Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, the I would say The Obstacle is the Way. And who's that by? Ryan Holiday. Okay. Yeah. What's it about? The Obstacle is the Way about Stoics, about Stoic Stoicism, philosophy. Yeah. It's like a 2017, 2016 version of Stoics.
0: Oh, I read... I think I've got that book. The Daily, I've got the Daily Stoic. The Daily
1: Stoic—that's what inspired the Daily Stoic,
0: actually. Right. Actually, written um, by, obs- yeah,
1: by Ryan Holiday. Yeah, written by Ryan Holiday. So the Daily Stoic was inspired by um, his previous book, The Obstacle Is the Way. People started, and I, I wasn't the only person. People really loved that book. And stoic, you know, he kind of rebirthed that philosophy. Stoicism, and yeah. He made it. He made it more mainstream. You know what i Usually, I hate when shit go mainstream, but I'm like, I'm so happy he made it mainstream because <laughs> I would have never, you know, discovered this this right. philosophy.
0: Awesome. Um, biggest inspiration?
1: Biggest inspiration, I would say is um, I would say my mother. I think my mother is my my first investor. You know, to me, you know, when I think about what inspires me, what keeps me going, is always my mother and my brother. You know, mm. because they were the ones you know I spent the most time with in my life. Yeah. You know, I grew up with a single mom's, mm. um, just me, my brother, and my mother, moving house to house. You'll read about that um, in the book, um, and she became my biggest inspiration because now I feel like everything I do is in, in an effort to not only make my life better but to make hers better as yeah. well. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah.
0: Um, what's the single piece of advice? you would give to a startup founder
1: personal development is more important than business development Mm. so i think i think you know for me personally when i started to develop myself personally that's when everything in business started to work right right that's when everything in business started to work right for me and so if i was to talk to a startup founder i would tell them to focus on personally developing yourself
0: right where would they start how do you start
1: learning how to deal with failure man Mm. Learn how to motivate yourself. Learn how to love yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, learn how to respect yourself, respect your body, your mind. Um, learn how to create goals.
0: Yeah.
1: Real goals. You know, and learn how to go after them. Learn how to execute. Learn how to persevere. Yeah. You know, those are things that I feel like if you're not, Those are those are all important things for entrepreneurship. Yeah. And it's like, if you jump right into it, you know, some people learn the hard way as they go, but other people aren't as fortunate. Yeah. Sometimes a failure could really have somebody in the dumps, man. And I don't know who uh, came up with this quote, but I think they said, uh, you know, success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. You know, so how do you maintain enthusiasm? That's personal development. Mm. Learning how to maintain enthusiasm through all the obstacles. That's the reason why Obstacles the Way is my favorite book. Yeah. Because Stoic philosophy kind of teaches you how to persevere. But not in a whole let's be motivated way, but in a in a practical, very common sense way. Like, yeah. yo, like this is what it takes. Mm. And not running from the mountain. Running over it, mm. or better yet, running through it.
0: Yeah. That's so. good. And I think that's a perfect point yeah. to stop. <laughs> anthony, thank you so much for coming no, on the show. No, this no was great. No problem,
1: man. No problem. Shout out to everybody listening. If you want to contact me, you can always email me, anthony at com, And definitely check out my website, abfc.co. Um, and listen to the VC shishi, man.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Just wanna say another massive thank you to Anthony for coming on the show. And guys, if you haven't already, please make sure you purchase Anthony's book, Don't Dumb Down Your Greatness. I've read it, it's a great book and I think it's a really good read if you are a founder of any color, to be honest, um, and thinking about starting a startup or getting involved in startups. It really does break things down for you. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And if these shows are bringing you any value, please leave us a review and share your favorite episode on social media. You can tag us at Startup Hand Me Downs on Instagram and at Startup HMD on Twitter. Until next time, guys, keep grinding.